Hey, I'm Adam McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is comedian Felix O'Connor. Welcome to the show, Felix. Hello! Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. This is really cool. We're, we're kind of rounding out the big four of late 90s, early 2000s kids anime. We've done Ooh. Sailor Moon, we've done Pokemon, we've done Digimon, and now you're bringing to us... Yu-Gi-Oh, what? baby! Yu-Gi-Oh! I feel like there are some people who are going to hear that intro and think Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z. That's right, there's oh, a fifth one. There oh, is a fifth Dragon Ball Z never really hit Ireland particularly, I feel did like it? it was... I feel like it has, like, maybe South America in a chokehold, mm-hmm. do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't, it never really made it to our end of the world, did it? I think it Am just I depends wrong? on what RTE got the rights to syndicate, to Yeah, be yeah. I also feel like, especially with shows like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, I think it's very year-to-year dependent because you're very, if you're sort of that cresting millennial age, mm. like Alan and I, we've had this conversation before about being just ever so slightly the wrong age for something. Mm, yeah, you well, know? that was me but with like, Pokemon. I just missed Pokemon. Right, but were it was on TV, so I saw the show, but not the cards. Right, I was you... too young for the cards. Right, okay. Being too young for it is really, like, I, I arguably was too old yeah. for it because I was a girl. <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. But um, I was technically the correct market age. I was exactly mm. Ash Ke- Ash Ketchum age and all mm-hmm. that shit, you know. And Al, you you it didn't really catch you. I was too old for all of them. Yeah, right. it was Sailor Moon age, but Sailor Moon didn't air over here in the right time period. No, you had to yeah. have you so. had to have weird internet zip files to fucking get that <laughs> yeah, good exactly. fucking Sailor Moon <laughs> shit, like some of us. Yeah. You know? So for anybody who's trying to remember which one Yu Gi Oh was, Felix, what um, is Yu Gi Oh? If you, <laughs> I think I think the best way to describe Yu Gi Oh is like. Think of the the wildest anime hair and then ramp it up to 11. Uh, (laughs) It's three colors. It's like two different styles. It kind of looks like he's wearing a little crown sort of at the front of just like weird blonde spikes. And then he's got just kind of a big star at the back. And somehow... He still, he, the show manages to convince you that at least one of these characters that have this stupid hair is cool. Uh, <laughs> and good at card games. Cool, cool and because, good at card games. Be, cool because he's good at card games, Giving which I think is an hi- extra challenge. <laughs> like the highest camp Ash Ketchum. Like Absolutely. you're trying to sell something to like boy children, you mm. know, there is an, an element of pomp and circumstance around it's the cast of Yu-Gi-Oh. It's almost Kiss-esque minus yeah. the eye makeup, to be honest. Yeah. Almost and he's minus. Egyptian, like, so he kind like of does eyeliner. have the eye makeup yeah, a little yeah. bit. Well, he's Egyptian, quote-unquote, uh, in, oh, in the... the lore. So, the lore, yes. We're gonna... Act. So the, the kind of basic plot is like, okay, so there's this kid called Yugi. He's he's like a, a mild-mannered... I think he's 16 at the start of the... I think he's 16 for, like, the main show, basically. Uh, he's, a, he's a boy. He's got no friends. He's mild-mannered. His grandpa... He lives with his grandpa who owns a game shop. And his grandpa has this, like, ooh, ancient Egyptian relic, which is this puzzle. Um, and he gives it to his, his grandson. And he's like, oh, you, you're... You like games and puzzles. You should try and solve this. No one's ever solved it. Um, and he I feel like that's some Hellraiser shit. Like you hand the wrong is, box to the wrong is, kid, it's... and it's Pinhead Town. Oh like, yeah, no, like close. well, part of it is like okay, so in the part of it is like oh, the person who solves the puzzle will have 
uh, like a wish granted or something like that. Like that's part of the lore around it. And so he solves this puzzle in like the first episode, does that, uh, and uh, basically now when he has it on, sometimes he gets possessed by the ghost of an Egyptian pharaoh <laughs> who's really good at card games. <laughs> Look, it all together as far as I'm concerned. It all comes together. Well, it it, like eventually it is kind of unraveled that the card game that exists nowadays that is a big sensation is based on an ancient Egyptian game that was adapted by this guy called Maximilian Pegasus, who is a wonderful, incredibly gay, but also his tragic backstory is that his wife was sick or something. It's like, okay. Maximilian Uh, Pegasus. Pegasus, Am I right? (laughs) Died, right? But also, what a name. Like, run that through a couple of copywriters, sir. I can't remember, because I think he has a different, like... He has a different pun name in... I think it's a pun-based name in, in Japanese, but he's Maximilian Pegasus in uh, in the English version. So hang so on, is he the bad guy? He's the, the main villain of the first season, and then he's kind of like a wacky, um, reformed, like... Yeah, he's like a kind of wacky side character then for, for the rest of the show. He kind of comes in and out, because again, he designed the, the game. Um he does like, oh yeah, damn had... okay so mm-hmm. i do know who this person is so my knowledge yes. of Yu-Gi-Oh is not intimate it's mm-hmm. cursory because i was spending those years learning the name of all of the pokemon and, and various of course you know, my, that was my anime brain right <laughs> yes. um he'd get it he's fantastic he's uh, so i just pulled up a quick google search i'm not going to scroll down the google image results because it's oh, too early of a night for that <laughs> but your top your top tier um google search results show us a gentleman with long snow white uh silvery kind, kind of, of hair it's kind of lavender tinted in the show yeah, which is yeah, beautiful like that. That incredible of, <laughs> that takes a lot of bleach to achieve so i say exactly and you know he's deep conditioning that shit as well oh yeah pop shine off the edge of it mm. i'm wearing a red tuxedo with a little white ruff and a tiny little black string around it in the way of a french courtesan um yes. Yeah, he's fabulous. I, he's I like fantastic. Him a lot. And he loves um part of his thing is that he uh he loves cartoons. Um he drinks uh so uh, one of one of the most kind of infamous things about this show um is that it was adapted into it was it was translated into English. The the dub in English is all through uh four kids, which if you guys have covered other anime from that time period, I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so there's uh especially with like Pokemon and stuff, like they that was four kids as well, I think. Uh and there's some some really egregious cases of like censorship and stuff that four kids did. So for example, in all of Yu-Gi-Oh, all of these like guard characters and stuff who in the Japanese version have guns are just holding nothing in, <laughs> in the uh, in the the English version of the show which is fun there's a bunch of like card art that just contains nudity and they they kind of rightfully cover that up it's for children I suppose um, they change a bunch of like names of cards and stuff as well where it's like oh this card is called devil dragon in Japanese but they change it to like nightmare dragon or something (laughs) they take a lot they take some of the occult stuff out it didn't help with uh conservative parents in in the u.s being like this is a game where you summon the devil and it's doing like the kind of early 2000s satanic panic stuff (laughs) in my memory the anime of of all of this sort of the running deeply important so you're 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 sort of hitting two cultural barriers when you import an americanized anime right Mm. 
But like my memory of Yu-Gi-Oh was that it just looked buck wild. Oh, so, yeah. Like it was very extreme looking in a way that even Pokemon and Digimon and stuff just didn't achieve. Mm. So I can see in some regards, I'm like, I'm sure they would try and water that down for Western audiences. But they like but the rest of the aesthetic of it is very intense and very... um bombastic or something you oh know? yeah well even i mean we we've we've mentioned the design of pegasus like it is very it's high camp it's up there like there is actually there is still a lot of occult imagery and stuff mm. which i mean especially when the core conceit of your show is that like a little boy is kind of getting possessed a little bit but it's okay because they're friends <laughs> he's friends with the ghost it's fine, fine. <laughs> it's the power of friendship and it's like there's so there's there's some kind of holdover. So there was um there was a, an original kind of manga run, uh, which I think was it was uh V Shonen I think or possibly Shonen Jump, um did the original kind of manga run and the original manga run was it leaned much more into this kind of general um king of games idea. So like Yu Gi Oh literally translates to king of games. Yu Gi uh means like game sort of. It's kind of like it. It's kind of like Hukar in, in Spanish almost. It's like there's like a similar kind of common root there. And O in, in Japanese means like king. Um, so Yu-Gi-Oh literally means king of games. Um, and this kind of ancient pharaoh figure, he uh, was known as the king of games. Um, and in the in the manga, basically uh, each kind of chapter, each kind of short uh, installment, there is like some kind of ne'er-do-well who is picking on uh, Yugi or his friends or something and the, the ancient kind of ghost uh, uh, possesses him and enters him into a Yamino game, which is a shadow game. Uh, and it's not necessarily the card game. Sometimes it's just really fucked up shit. Like there, I think it's the first ever chapter of the, of the manga. There's this guy who's like basically running a kind of... Um, What's it called? It's like the mafia. Uh, um, he's he's like doing kind of a protection thing where he's like, oh, I can see that Yugi is getting bullied. So I'm going to beat up his bullies for him and then kind of extort him and be like, I beat up your bullies. Now you owe me $200 or, or it's like 20,000 yen, which is about 200 euro. Um, and the game that he does the game that like dark yugi kind of does with this is like okay we're gonna take that money we're gonna take turns putting it on the back of our hands and stabbing it with a knife sick and whatever <laughs> money you stab you get to keep but if you stab your hand you lose the game and you ash gotta Ketchum's punish a, ash ketchum is a fucking bitch <laughs> he is ketchum is a little bitch <laughs> Like every week, Team Rocket are at its door. Like I'm gonna steal your rat, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm gonna have to he's beat oh no. you fairly." Nah, man, nah. it's fucking knifey hands. Knife <laughs> time, baby. Knifey hand shit. <laughs> Let's go. Well, he's got like dragons and shit. Why not just like blow them up? I don't know. Uh, like respectability politics. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, maybe Pokemon more of this is... knifey hands. Like. That's it. Pokemon's bitch ass. There's a there's a chapter where he sets someone on fire. Great. Um, it's more great. Of that. It's cool Casual yeah medicine. and a bunch of that so they did do i think it was 1998 they did a a very short japanese only um adaptation uh, fans will call it season zero um 
God, so they, I love fan language. It's I'm so sorry. good. It's so good. Like, it's, uh, in among the community, they call the this community. the golden early book zero. The Mitzi. <laughs> <laughs> yum, yum, yum. It's so good. But they, so they adapt some of the, some of the really fucked things. And then they, they, so the, the card game does exist in the manga. And then they were like, oh, cool. People are really responding to the card game. That's a big merch uh, opportunity, money, 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 please. Let's print that. Um, you know, uh, card. Uh, people, people will call card game, uh, card games, cardboard crack. I don't know how I quite feel about that, but it is very addictive. <laughs> At my big age, I'm still watching people doing Pokemon cards on open, like openings on TikTok. So oh, yeah. look, everyone has to have their vices, and I think mm. card games are. I don't know. I think there's something kind of sweet about them. Maybe I'm just particularly nostalgic as a person who mm. kind of collected early Pokemon cards and recently sent her mother up into the attic looking for a very particular <laughs> edition of a Charizard. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I'm not a, oh, I'm not is a it worth it. insane amounts of money or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, oh, nice. but my Mac mm. can't find it. And I'm just oh, like, no. you're like you're, it's like sitting on Bitcoin. Do you know? It is. Um, it is. <laughs> but there was a very particular time where they were everywhere as this sort of playground currency. But mm. what I'm really compelled by is that like you know Egypt's like me picked up a few packets and kept them like stickers but then there are people who actually played the games mm. like and Yu-Gi-Oh is this huge real competitive card game yeah and it's buck wild yeah, yeah <laughs> it's that's insane your, that's inter-community drama I want to know about oh yeah well I so in terms of the game so I've played the game a little bit I played the game back in um back in in primary school like first class era more or less and I was not good and then in ooh I want to say like 2012 maybe I got back into playing Yu-Gi-Oh because I realized like oh they're still doing these I remember mm. really liking, liking that and then getting some cards and being like oh the meta is super different now um, yeah. and going to some tournaments doing very badly um, although What's actually crowd like it's uh it's always interesting like the 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 scene is i mean it's a lot of a lot of people in their like a lot of like you know gen gen x i want to say gen x men older than um us. huh old people older than us ish yeah i mean well there's a lot of there's a lot of people in at the time there were lots of people in their like 20s and 30s and that still seems to be like 20s 30s 40s again people who kind of People who got into competitive when it was Card still games, kind of coming yeah. out and stuff. Mm-hmm. I suppose there's probably um, a, lot of, a lot of crossover with Magic the Gathering, you know, yeah, like exactly. deck deck building hobbies, basically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And like Yu-Gi-Oh is really interesting because the original, like the game from kind of generation to generation, when they bring in a new kind of... Um, like way of summoning it like completely overhauls the game a little bit because the original game was kind of poorly designed uh i mean the whole the whole first season of the show uh they do not play by the standard rules of the game uh so the kind of standard the standard rules are like oh if you want to summon a big monster um that is like above level six i believe six uh, yeah uh Level four, you can summon without a sacrifice. Level five and s- level five and six, you can summon with one sacrifice, and bigger than that, you need two sacrifices. Some uh, some really really big uh, beaters, you need like three sacrifices, um, and like that was fine for very early Yu-Gi-Oh. But it made the game and it slowed the game down and stuff. Uh, in the show, they're bringing out like super high level uh, monsters without any sacrifices because they're like, ah, we don't know how well, the rules work. <laughs> one thing I do remember is that of all one common thread 
throughout the sort of the big four, which I'm going to start calling them now because Alan, you mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head, <laughs> is the transformation sequence. Oh, is all yeah. of these wonderful abstract moments of animation where a singular object becomes a demigod or monster or hot <laughs> hot person or hot like i don't know a, a, a physically confusing entity to a, a young impressionable <laughs> mind um and i feel like Yu Gi Oh had some fucking incredible creatures in terms of its bestiary right there was just oh, a absolutely. lot of really impressive mm. spectacle there right mm. oh yeah there's a lot of grotesque i think in yugioh like i know um there's this one. Uh, can I post it in the chat? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Please it up and, and post it in the chat for you. There's this. Um, it's one of the big. We don't kind make of... use of that often enough. <laughs> actually, I feel like we should because the illustration always helps. And um, hold on, let me. Just... I'd imagine if if you're listening that you've seen you. <laughs> like, you know. This is um. So the the big kind of Pegasus duel at the end of season one. Um, is iconic uh, because the whole first half of the duel pegasus has a magic eye um and he can use that to see the uh, his opponent's hand um sick which is also uh, cheating it is cheating <laughs> but it's also like it's his house he could just have a little hidden camera and they they do assume that originally and then it's like nope it's magic uh <laughs> which is very very fun very camp very stupid um let me just see here here we go so this is um so the, the whole first Yugipedia. Okay. First half okay. of the duel. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like Eldritch shit. Okay, Alan, can you describe to me what you see on the relinquished card? I see. Uh, if you took Wheatley from Portal Two uh -huh. and then mixed him with like like a, a dark midnight blue metal crab. Uh huh. And put him on top of a spinning top. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's a like bit. a, it's like an anon. It. You know the, you know the Pokemon that they're, they're all the different letters of the alphabet, the little anons. Mm. Yeah, like one of those on steroids. Yeah, it a has the impact bit. of something. <laughs> it kind of has the impact. It's it's quite muscular. It has mm. shading. It's blue mostly. There's white viscera. Detailing. Uh, it's yeah, almost it's got vein esque. Yeah, mm. it's got a little bit of the, it does have a face, so it has an eyeball sort of protruding from the front on like a stem, but there's a tiny little face behind it, which is kind of charming. And enormous uh claws. This is a this mm. is a big this is a big boy. This is a big this boy. It's yeah. a big boy. So this is like the kind of big boss of the final duel of the first season and I don't know how people responded at the time because I was not particularly like online engaged. I mean, was anyone in like two thousand and one? Yes, they were. <laughs> but I was what a baby. Two thousand and one. I would have been uh, five for the vast majority of two thousand and one. Uh, so I was a little baby, uh, and I don't know if I was. I I might have been like six or seven by the time God, I saw so you, this show airing. But, but that's a great time to get it. Mm. Like, it's so, mm. like, often what we talk about on Juvenile is, like, teenage texts. Mm. And it's comparatively rare that we get into things that you'd see as a little child, I think, lately, Al. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm. I think that the impact of seeing something like that as a small kid is it's going to inspire your imagination in huge ways. Oh, like, absolutely. It's, it's and the huge. whole, like, yeah, yeah. I think the whole, the whole kind of conceit of, like, how to make a card game interesting <laughs> across mm. several, because a lot of the bigger duels and stuff in the show are, are over the course of I think the longest ones are over the course of like five episodes so each wow. episode is 20 minutes long so you've got like an hour long duel which um, in real life in, in actual games rarely would a, would a game last more than like 
20, 30 minutes. And even then, that's like you're doing some kind of milling technique where you're trying to get the other person to run out of cards. Um, and that's you just you just stall everything. You're doing some kind of control thing. But um, yeah, like I think especially with the first season, which I think is the most iconic one, I was going to talk about some of the episodes in like later seasons, but an issue that... Um, an issue that I've kind of come up against in general talking about this show is, like, everyone's seen the first season, probably the second season, too, or they've seen, like, if they've seen past, like, season three, it's because they watched something like Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged, um, or they've done what I've done recently, which is uh, I've been listening to a podcast called uh, The Millennium Microphone. Uh, oh, the puzzle is called The Millennium Puzzle. The the I is called The Millennium I. It's, like, it's part of their thing is, like, ooh, it's... It's 2000. <laughs> it's 2000, baby. I don't know if it was called that back in Egyptian days. Big, Maybe. No, no, probably not in the probably Egyptian days. Probably not the Egyptian but, like, days. It was a big deal being the turn of the century and all. You know? Oh, yeah. It was like Y2K. Did it happen? No, it did not. But a, a little <laughs> bit. Apparently. I, sorry, this Look, is a complete tangent. I watched tangent. them put Appar- the clock in the river. I was on the side of the river <laughs> and they put the clock in there, right? Which is one of the, one, be one of those real grandma things. Very fucking sin, you know? Like, I was there. Um, so what there, did they there do? Is this, hmm? What did they do with the clock in the river? I don't know if I've heard do, about this. Sorry. You know, they put the giant clock in the bottom of the river Liffey, which was a countdown to the year 2000. And they couldn't see it because the Liffey was disgusting <laughs> as it, it always is of course an enormous neon i did not alan did i i did not make this up in my imagination no this is real the it was clock. real okay yeah. okay okay, oh, okay. Yeah, every yeah. so often i'm just like did i hallucinate <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah they put this giant clock in the bottom of the river liffey which was meant to count down to the year 2000 um but it was too gross for it to be sustained it was very so they have, they have, they have to keep it very that. close to the surface just so you can actually see it and put it make it like neon Different um, times yeah. is what that was altogether. But yeah, so I guess that that's sort of another marker of the time is sort of the millennium. Yeah, like, my millennium puzzle was why won't anybody shift me? Someone <laughs> shift me for the millennium. The millennium yeah. riddle. Uh, yeah. Will your mate, your, my mate, wants to know if you'll shift me? <laughs> we have our nagins. We're fifteen years old. Let's do it. I was yeah. So I'm, and that makes me eleven, which that makes me in the. Uh, trying to convince my friends uh, that I fancied uh, Brendan Fraser and definitely not Cheek from The Legend of Zelda years. So everyone had their own. Everyone had their own. Legend, everyone had their own uh, millennial, 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 millennium puzzle. Millennium puzzle. The millennial yeah. puzzle. Millennial. That's really hard to say. The, the, cu- millennial, the current puzzle millennial puzzle is puzzle. how afford house if avocado <laughs> toast. Am I right? <laughs> the eternal question <laughs> so tell me this in the grander arc of things character wise we have um maximilian pegasus yes. and we have yugi himself mm-hmm. uh who is, fills out our cast who else have we got knocking around so the rest of the cast so yugi is kind of divided in two he's a little little hegelian like that um there's a little bit again in the in the original manga where there's kind of more um anti-hero-esque to like the pharaoh version of him it's almost Jekyll and Hyde-esque which is fun but so the the kind of dark version of him is called Yami Yugi Yami means dark in uh Japanese um and so there's there's Yugi and there's Yami or there's people people will also call him like the pharaoh once they once they once he's kind of come out as having uh dissociative identity stuff going on (laughs) a little bit um and then he's got three good friends so Joey Wheeler is uh well, what a normie name what a normie, what a normie name, name. Yeah, yeah. he's um uh 
yeah, or, or Janucci is his uh, is his name in the Japanese version. Um, yeah, Joey Wheeler, and he's from Brooklyn, and he sounds like this, and he's kind of the he's the tough guy of the group. Ugh. He sounds like he's about forty. He's like, hey, Yugi, hey, it's gonna slice. He is, I remember <laughs> he does sound clearly. like he's been smoking from birth a little but bit. But also, like Sailor Moon had a best friend who wasn't a Sailor Scout, who also was inexplicably from Brooklyn. Like, yeah. it was just a sort of a re- recurring fucking theatrical approach that these adaptations took where they would just put a sidekick into a biz- with a just a bit an unnecessary accent. Like, so I've actually there's some actual I, I heard a theory. I'm not entirely sure how true this is. Sorry, that is a that is a link to what Joey Wheeler looks like, but it might just. I'm gonna fucked up the link. It's very long. <laughs> there's some oh, interesting. Yeah. There's an yeah. interesting theory that I heard about this, and it's um, it's to do with translating things directly from Japanese. Um, so because Japanese has like a very honorific based, like it, it has all of these kind of politeness signifiers within language. So there's you might be familiar with like saying um someone's name Chan or someone's name Kun uh to signify that they're like a friend oh, or that they're diminutive was, or something when i was in tokyo one of carrie's lovely co-workers referred to me once as sarah chan and i lost my goddamn mind i was like <laughs> i fucking love this for me it's great it's really <laughs> this cute is the coolest shit. this is so sweet yeah like what a what an, an immense gesture of tenderness mm. the uh yeah that that so is the accent a mark of a, a mark of an honorific do you think no so um basically in the japanese version um Junucci, he doesn't have a Brooklyn accent in Japanese, um, but he does. Basically, he doesn't use um, honorifics to signify respect for anyone, as, oh. I- including superiors. So he doesn't refer to his teachers as like. I think he refers to them as like senpai and and, and sensei and stuff. But I I think generally the way that he speaks is considered like disrespectful and when it came to localizing that they were like how do we make this guy sound disrespectful in english and they were like brooklyn do you know they do that in evangelion as well because there's a a, around localized accents and like accents that we can't pick up Mm. you know without within as as non uh, japanese speakers let alone native speakers Mm. and i think that that's something that's yeah it's 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 really codified around respect and roughness i suppose isn't it yeah Um, exactly but the Brooklyn choice is fascinating. It's really what funny. A, what a, con- <laughs> it's what very a consistently cool. weird choice. I love it. I love it. I love that Brooklyn representation uh, is pervasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got Joey Wheeler. He's super iconic. I love him. Um, I would love to see him with a shaved head because his head shape seems extremely unusual based on that hair. Oh, and in yeah, contrast well, to you, he's got you, so much hair. <laughs> he does big hair. Big fan of anime hair in general. He's spent my whole mm. spent my whole life in pursuit of it. Um, <laughs> but big up to Joey Wheeler who in contrast to Armand Maximilian and Sweet Yugi, who is also fitted out in an inexplicable blue tuxedo with a little ruff, um, Joey's just wearing a fucking t-shirt. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's wearing, just a, fucking t-shirt. wearing a t-shirt. He's That's wearing it. sometimes a jacket. He's got a pretty iconic green jacket that is not in the photo that I that I sent you guys. Uh, but yeah, no, he just, he wears a jacket. He sometimes wears a, a little pendant around his, a little kind of uh, necklace thingy where... Um, I think for most of the first season, at least, he has a little, um... No, he wears, like, a little dog tag thing. Um, the Kaiba brothers have a little, uh, uh, thing around their necks. I'm gonna get to them next, because they're also iconic. Um, Kaiba has a little dog tag thing, but it's, it's, it's like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Or, a, a, in the, in the show, they call it dual monsters. They don't call it Yu-Gi-Oh, because 
That's not. That's the name <laughs> of the show that they're in. <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so he has a little dog tag, which is... I think there's lore around that, but I don't think it's ever covered in the show. Um, he's just like a little tough guy. He's like, oh, he used to be in a gang, canonically, in the manga. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, so there's, there's Joey, there's, um, Tristan or, um, Honda in the, in the Japanese version. Tristan has, has very spiky hair. Uh, it's, it's just brown and he's got kind of a jar head look going on and he's just got like a hairstyle that's just a big spike at the front, uh, which is fun. Uh, I enjoy that about him. He's boring. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> he's like the kind of. He's comic relief with Joey a little bit, but he's also not as interesting as Joey because Joey plays the card game. Uh, mm. uh, Tristan just kind of hangs around. And then uh, there is also um, uh, Taya Gardner or uh, Anzu something. I don't, I can't remember any of the last names in the Japanese version. But um, yeah, Taya Gardner, who is uh, the girl one. <laughs> well, no, one of the one. girl ones. The, yeah, yeah. There's, there's another, there's another kind of central uh, woman in the show, My Valentine, um, and she's like the kind of, she's like the bad girl a little bit. She's like a bit older. She and Joey have a bit of a thing, which is kind of weird because she's canonically like in her early twenties and he's sixteen. Um, yeah, but he's like, oh, I'm a little, I'm a tough guy, and I act like an adult, and, and she's like, hmm, yes, cougar vibes. <laughs> she's, um, I believe, I don't think she is, actually. I, her voice actor is, um, sounds very like Megara from uh, Disney's Hercules. You know, it might be her. She's in a, she does a lot of work. Um, it might be. She's, she's Rose Quartz and Steven Universe. She is I did that. look at the names earlier and I didn't see Susan Egan in there. Susan Egan. I don't um, think it's Susan Egan. She's a, she sounds a, yeah. like Susan Broadway Egan. lady. Let's have a look. She has that vibe where it's like... Uh, Andrew Reynolds is in there, though. Who? Andrew Reynolds. There's voices in it. Huh. It's something I discovered earlier. Oh, yeah. I think he's in Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, maybe, yeah, I Maybe bring her. back up to voices. Um, I'm gonna, she has a lot of very spiky hair also. She does. There's a lot of spiky hair. There's a lot of very spiky hair in the yeah. show. Uh, let me see here. Uh, 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 my Valentine has also been voiced by three different people. Um, in the first... Now, I, I, most people consider her original voice actor to be, like, the the canonical version and she's also the kind of i would most people consider her the best best version apparently the um original vo uh left Yu-Gi-Oh after i think her the the first three seasons because she comes back in season four and she has like a she's kind of joined a cult which is season four is wild there's a thing called the cult of arakalkos uh or the is it the church of arakalkos look who among us in our season four has not joined a cult you know whom the, like, yeah who, listen like, it, by it, that it, point, season three you're like you gotta you gotta spice things up a little bit you gotta jump that culture <laughs> i was just now noticing the valentine name kind of set me off there as well mm. because there's faye valentine in cowboy bebop like that seems oh, to be yeah. like again a naming convention mm. like it's uh you hear it again and again um vince so valentine the original of May is mm-hmm. megan hollingshead yes uh, and andrew Reynolds plays uh he plays Mako Tsunami. Oh, Mako Tsunami, and yeah. Also, Noah Kaiba as well is under Reynolds. Oh, yeah, okay. So he's in it quite a mm-hmm. bit then. In in season... So season three is... Um, so there's... there's Again, as, as part of the kind of... Um, 
the the kind of localization thing there is uh kind of infamously a lot of filler in the english version of Yu-Gi-Oh! um because in terms of the manga like they were still writing the manga so they needed to like like mm. put put extra stuff in there for um for English speaking audiences. I've and got so my I've got my Megan Hollingshead uh, crossover very quickly. I just had a real I just had to I, ha- I was like I know that name. She was in Pokemon. She was Nurse Joy. Oh. So she has yeah. uh she has uh, played multiple um iconic anime ladies. Yes. Um, over the years. She is my Valentine is one of my favorite characters of all time. I think she's fantastic and she has this like fun complex backstory where she's like i'm a woman and i do things for myself see (laughs) like she doesn't sound transatlantic but she does a little bit like she's got more kind of there's more cougar to it to be honest even though like canonically i think she's 19 when we first encounter her so it's not like super sussy but it's a little bit like ah she's been out and living in the world and ah, i don't know (laughs) she definitely has more life experience than the rest of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. She also, she does this um, fun thing that several characters do over the course of the show, where she pretends to be psychic, um, which is a way to hide the fact that she is cheating at card games. I mean, look, who among us? <laughs> Who's among us? Who's among us is not this sort pretending of I'm, to be psychic. I'm, 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 I'm relating to her very heavily. I, I'm like, yes, yeah. I, I like well, this person to, already. She used, to, she used to work on a cruise ship. This is her her backstory. She used to work at a cruise ship and um, basically card hustle people um, by she would again with her her psychic shtick. She would um, she would spray different perfumes on different cards and then be able to smell which card was next coming up, which is very silly because that's not how smell works. <laughs> Queen of strategy, love that Queen for her. Queen of strategy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She's a girl boss. She stays winning. Stay winning. Gatekeep. That's it. Card game, yeah, card game, yeah, yeah. Ga- gaslight girl. <laughs> but it, but as I remember, it wasn't really a particularly like in the way that Digimon was very peopley. Mm. You know, Yu-Gi-Oh was not as peopley if I'm remembering not it correctly. But it's quite peopley. focused around the game. It's quite. It's very game focused. There's also um, let me just I there's there's Kaiba also. I just need to mention Kaiba because he is mm-hmm. um, uh, he's the main antagonist. Oh, well, he's not the He's the main, like, rival character. He is, um, he has stupid hair, sort of. Uh, let me bring up Kaiba. Seto Kaiba. He, you've definitely seen this guy. Um, he, he looks, he wears big coats. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 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 copy link address. Boop, boop, boop. Sorry, I'm just faffing around a little bit here. Here we go. So this is Seto Kaiba. That's a big link again, but it should bring up the image for you at least. Uh, oh, nice coach. Yeah, he's a so he else. is a, a, a teenage millionaire slash possibly billionaire. Um, he uh, sort of possibly oh, there are fireworks in my neighborhood. I hope that doesn't get picked up on the mic. But if it does, ah, uh, <laughs> not much I can do about it's, you know, it. No, it's 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 a uh, context. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. landscaping. It's giving that that Bali from it feel. Mm. <laughs> um, it's autumnal vibes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Autumnal vibes. That's <laughs> pumpkin season. spiced fireworks. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, Seto Kaiba and his his brother Mokuba Kaiba, um, they are like the the 
he is like or was the number one uh dual monsters player in the world and then he gets beat by Yu-Gi-Oh or by he gets beat by Yugi uh in the first episode and his entire sense of being shatters and also uh his mind a little bit because uh, they there's a really iconic thing where um uh, there's there's this uh, a win condition five card thing called Exodia, uh, which you you've probably seen. It's again very. It cult- happens in episode one. It happens. Yeah. Episode one, yeah. It's it's almost um, it's very occult imagery as well. Um, but yeah, Exodia. Basically, there's a win condition where if where where if you have all five uh, cards of Exodia in your hand at the same time, uh, you automatically win the game. There is no way to counter it. Um, it's very fun and silly. Watching people play Exodia decks is a riot. <laughs> um, I've seen... There's um, there's an episode in, in, in a later season where um, a guy is cheating and he's got three three copies of each um, uh, uh, limb and body of uh, Exodia, which is not allowed. You're only allowed one in each in each deck, which makes it more difficult to, to do a thing. But... Um, yeah, it's fun and but yeah, Yugi does that in his first duel with Kaiba and uh, it, it breaks his mind a little bit. And then Kaiba's whole thing is like, I I must defeat, I must defeat Yugi. And he's not that gruff actually. <laughs> he he must defeat. He wants to be back on top and he he wants to like publicly humiliate Yugi, uh, for for beating him and making him not the the world's greatest card game player. Uh, he takes things very seriously. <laughs> so Yugi's yeah. deck is pretty, in terms of what I can remember, I remember mm. there being dragons. Like there were some dragons. Zeta, uh, Kaiba's the main dragon guy. He's the um the the if you've heard of the blue eyes white dragon, he got three of them, and they in in the world of the show they are the only three in the world. The only, only la- the only lasting Yu-Gi-Oh reference in this household that we have is calling Mo yellow eyes white dragon. <laughs> like from that which is the only little thread that we've pulled from that into our lives you know it's just one of those things that lodges the blue eyes white dragon mm. you, did you mm. yeah, that, was that Yugi's card or was that somebody else's no that was Seto Kaiba's card and then uh, Joey Wheeler see, the, the mist of time just eats things that's it Jesus. and then uh, uh, Joey Wheeler then uh, the, the kind of best friend character like he has uh, a card called the Red Eyes Black Dragon, uh, and he only has one of those. That's actually it's it, even in terms of the current, um, even in in terms of like the actual card game as it existed physically. Uh, Red Eyes is one of the one of the rarest cards in that kind of original set, as far as I know. Um, it's also got some really cool support, and people will play like Red Eyes and Blue Eyes like com- combination decks. They're really cool to see when they work. Um, the thing with early Yu-Gi-Oh again is like a lot of these high-level monsters are really hard to summon because you need to have a stable board presence anyway. Because uh, you got to sacrifice two monsters to summon them. It's a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so Yugi has um, Yugi's big big guy is. Um, the Dark Magician. There you go. That yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got he looks like like a, like a Final Fantasy VIII summon. He does. Like, he looks. Yeah, yeah. He looks cool. I like him a lot, to be honest. Uh, let me bring him up here. Dark Magician. There's also Dark Magician Girl, who is very Sailor Moon inspired. Uh, oh wait, no. I searched you know Dark what? Magician Girl Speaking by mistake. Speaking of which, it's just occurred to me, and we can we can chop this out. I'm gonna do a little <laughs> pop that there for Al. I'll pop again when I unsay it. Fucking card captors. We haven't done that. Card captors? I don't know what card captors is. It's, what? It, it, it You're came such up. boys! 
What is this? What is you know, cart? On God. Okay, actually, you can keep this in. What is cart, Captain? <laughs> I think it did come up in our Sailor Moon episode briefly. But again, it was like a... It was on Nickelodeon for like half a year here, a possibly, when I was already in my 20s. Okay. What, year, <laughs> what year was this? Oh, Jesus. 2000. Okay. Early. 2000 early. I'm going to I'm going to look it up and see God if damn. I have if I do know what this I is. I was smoking on bridges, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I was in a I was metal in band, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Card counters. Oh, I don't recognize this at all. Is this For like a there's real? a little girl and she's got like a little Her flying mouse? She has okay. a little mouse on a fucking mm-hmm. stick. Okay. And cards. <laughs> Okay. Uh, whatever. It looks cool. I'm going to need to look it up, but I have never heard of this before. Don't scroll life. too far down the Google search. Mm, I, won't. On that one. I won't. Gotta fucking keep it she looks like top. such a, a child. She looks like such she a young it, child. It, she yeah. Like, oh, it's no. School, it's a school thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, I'll pop it I hate the internet. There. Yeah, I hate <laughs> 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 It was a mistake. Okay, I'll yeah. pop it back on now so we don't have to do a Sakura interlude. But okay. So the magician. Dark magician. So I've 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 posted in the the chat there an, an image Alan, of I'm him. Gonna make, I'm going to make is... you describe him to us, Alan. Let's go. Yes, okay. Alan. Describe the magician. So dark magician is like a pink and purple drill bit uh, who likes Chris <laughs> Angel, who's, who knows sleight of hand. Essentially, is what we're looking at here. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. A uh, lot of swirls, a lot of angles. Um, yeah. He's a whole person as well. I always find he's it a whole person yeah. when the creatures and things that are summoned are fully human. Be- human They're just people. Human They're just guys. Just like you, put, you start putting shit on bipeds, and just we get into men. a very mm. different. Just, just normal men, you know. Just normal <laughs> men. Like, why, just why, are men. Putting, why are you putting these innocent men into cards? You know. Yeah. Like, well, who, actually, who was he? You know. Actually, in the not to not to burst your bubble, in the fifth season of the show where they go back in time to ancient Egypt Excellent. to the origin of the game uh you find out the backstory of the dark magician his name is mahad he is a an actual sorcerer in ancient egypt and he has uh, a bunch of dark power within him um and he has locked some of that away into a card and then he's he's fighting the big bad who is um a big monster called zork uh, <laughs> season five gets season dumb. five names, yeah. <laughs> season five gets real dumb. Uh, but yeah, and then he he gets trapped in a card to um, seal away some of the power, and then be able to be used as like a summon by the pharaoh. There's some very homoerotic stuff there as well. Like it's very Finally. fun. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I it's so the whole the whole throughout the whole show there's um you know there's a kind of romance subplot between like Taya uh who is she's fine. She's she's not the most obnoxious of the like kind of token female characters that you'll see in some of this kind of era of of animation. She has her own feelings about things and she does have she has she plays the role of kind of the heart of the group and stuff and she's like no we can do anything with the power of friendship but she's also like she will also get angry and you know she's an entire person she just doesn't have very much to do for a lot of the show uh but she um she and yugi uh, both little yugi and and yami have um you know, a bit of a kind of ongoing crush. Like, she has a whole thing in the first season where she's like, oh, when Yugi duels, it's like he's more confident. And I I think it's... 
I he uh, I want him to notice me. <laughs> you know, it's, obviously they can't be like I'm horny for the the dark the deep voiced version of my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when I was looking at the pictures of Yugi and of Maximilian, I was just like, it's a blue blue man, red man, blue man, red blue man, man red Phoenix man. Wright, fucking Miles, <laughs> whatever the fuck. His Actually, name is. yeah, Miles Edwards, Miles Edwards does Edwards, have thank a lot you. of blue Miles man, Edwards red man, <laughs> like blue man, red man, kissy kissy. That's how this shit works. That's you it. Know? They like, kiss again. I know my boys. They should your, kiss. Your your Google scroll has to be very cautious around that. I'd imagine the fandom is alive and well. Oh um, yes. Oh absolutely. Well, there's also. I mean, there's um. There's so many ships in the Yu-Gi-Oh fandom. One of them is is called Puzzle Shipping, and that is shipping Yugi with Yugi. Uh, it's shipping the two different versions with each other, and I, I'm sure you can imagine there's God plenty of jokes it. made about one literally being inside the other at various different points in the show. <laughs> Yeah, shipping people. With, yep. like, I mean, look, I gotta hand. Like, I I love fandom. I love sub subcultures. Mm-hmm. The further the further you go down the rabbit hole, the happier I am. You know, like <laughs> I I I am a big fan of deep abstraction when it comes to this. But like. Mm. Yugi with himself, I ask you. <laughs> yeah, well, they are very different in terms of personality. Like, it's very. I don't know. It's it's very. Like, one is a sixteen-year-old boy, and one is a sixteen-year-old an boy. Egyptian. Another one is like a five-thousand-year-old Egyptian ghost. <laughs> How will they get along? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, it is like that. But they're, they they do have a sweet relationship. Like they have a nice kind of. But you'd you fucking know, want to. <laughs> yeah, you would. I mean, you're you're like you're your brain mates. Yeah, <laughs> Christ. with each other. But uh, no, there's well, there's there's actually there's a really iconic episode from um, season four. Uh, season four again is wild. That's the Ari, That's the cult one. Um, the the seal of Ari Kalkos, or it's 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 called Waking the Dragons, uh, which is very cool. Yugi does get a dragon in that one. <laughs> Gets a special dragon. Um, but in in that one there is a a duel where um, Yugi is kind of well uh, Yami Yugi who who mostly duels for the two of them he is manipulated into using this card called the Seal of Orichalcos and the whole thing with this card is when you play it it makes a seal around the the kind of dueling field. And whoever loses the duel, their soul gets trapped in the card. Uh, there's a lot of trapping souls in cards. That happens in season one as well with a few different characters. Um, souls get trapped in various different places a lot in the Yu-Gi-Oh! You know, the Yu-Gi-Verse. Um, but the, um, yeah, so, so Yugi uh, uses this card because he's like, oh, it's the only way I'll win. Um, and little Yugi is like, no, don't do it. You will corrupt your soul. And then he does it and he does corrupt his soul a little bit. <laughs> and then, but because he's got two souls inside his body, um, Yugi, like, decides to take his place and get trapped in the card. And you see them kind of be separated from each other. Uh which is very emotionally uh, uh, distressing. It's a, a season four is like it, it varies quite wildly in quality. There's some duels in it that are that are really, really boring. And there are some where it's like, oh, I'm so invested in the Buckwild <laughs> shit that is going on. Um, and the Pharaoh is just like super moody for half of it because he's like, oh, in a moment of weakness, I cared too much about winning. And then I lost. And then I lost my best friend. Uh, Aww, my 16-year-old <laughs> sounds, best friend. <laughs> my 16-year-old best friend whose body my, I occupy. My puppet. <laughs> my tiny puppet boy. My little me puppet yeah. boy. <laughs> my little Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they have so they have a a an episode where they duel 
it, they, they're going through this, it's set in America as well for most of it in, in season four, which is wild. Um, and you get to see, uh, I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I love seeing, um, Japanese media represent America or represent yes. Europe. Oh, we talked about this in like so in our Earthbound episode. It was, At it's length, great. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I it's love so seeing good. a uh, seeing a different lens held up to the West. I mm, absolutely mm. sure like that's what Evangelion is, right? It's it's like oh, a Japanese yeah. lens held up through to like the the a West to the Western interpretations of the Bible. Do you know? Mm. Like there's a there's a lot to be learned and a lot of really interesting perspective work to be done there, you know. It's it's really it's good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because in uh, yeah in in Yu-Gi-Oh actually Maximilian Pegasus is canonically American. <laughs> well, the name so, like oh, that. Really? You know? That's why he looks so stupid. It's Look, like it's that's how American. What, what, the New Hampshire Pegasi. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. Of course. course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all that is, family. Actually, his voice is incredible. He's like, mm, yes, Yu-Gi-Oh. boy. <laughs> oh, he sounds like that the whole time, and he's Kaiba boy, and he's again his backstory is that he is. Uh, he is evil in the first season because he um, is grieving his dead wife. <laughs> like, mm, mm, sure. Sure, <laughs> sure you had a wife who you loved. Sure. <laughs> you guys probably painted each other's nails and stuff. I'm sure it was a, it was very, it was a good relationship. I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that you miss her, but like, come on now. <laughs> is this all in grief, sir? Are you starting feuds with sixteen-year-old children in grief? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so there's like uh, there's a uh, there's a, an iconic duel between both Yugi's like against each other. Um, it's it's kind of a hallucination, but it's like a little bit of a it's soul searching stuff. It's mostly a hallucination, but it's also in this like valley where there are ghosts sort of. It's a whole thing. Again, season four is wild, but I would highly recommend it. It's, <laughs> it's outrageous. I feel like this is far more outrageous than I anticipated. Oh yeah. Know? Like there's a sort of a domesticity yeah. to a lot of the other um, anime from that period. And I'm mm. appreciating the operatic quality of, of these these stories uh, a yeah. lot. Like it's oh, well, pretty there's... high level. <laughs> There's a kind of there's a kind of running joke in a lot of the the peripheral media like I, I mentioned Yu-Gi-Oh abridged uh, which you know for some reason like abridged series were kind of a thing in like I want to say the early 2010s uh, there was Yu-Gi-Oh abridged catch everyone there was up Dragon on the Ball franchise. yeah yeah, yeah exactly just bring everyone yeah. and it was kind of that like that I don't want to say golden age of YouTube because like. I don't know if YouTube's ever had a golden age, but it was like that. I would that, argue that it has. So I know mm, exactly what you're talking about. It was about. that era of like, people were making just silly things on YouTube and it was like low production value, but there was some really interesting comedy happening. Um, and the abridged series kind of craze, I think was part of that in like the early 2010s and stuff where people were like revisiting stuff from their childhood. There was, um, there was Dragon Ball Z abridged. There was, uh, there might have been a Pokemon abridged. I don't know if that really took off. But Yu-Gi-Oh abridged is something that, like, if you're in the kind of Yu-Gi-Oh fandom or if you've engaged with Yu-Gi-Oh, you've probably come across that. Um, but there's a lot of, like, there will be a lot of jokes and just in the fandom in general where it's, like, occasionally they'll remind people, it's like, hey, guys, when's the last time we went to school? <laughs> Aren't we meant to be teenagers? Because they have these, like, all of all of season one is this massive um, tournament called Battle, uh, called um, Duelist Kingdom. All of season two and a big chunk of season three 
yeah, all of basically all of seasons two and three are um, Battle City, which is another big dueling tournament. They don't really go back to school at all. <laughs> Whereas, like the original manga, they were like it was kind of a monster of the week kind of thing, where like they were school kids and they were living normal lives, and then they'd have you know they'd have criminals be on the run and keep, take one of them hostage, and then uh oh, I had to set him on fire because of a dark game. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was much more of like a, a high school anime and then when it was adapted to be more um focused around the card game it was like ah they don't need to go to school what kind of card games are gonna play in school no they've got to go to an island owned by an insane millionaire with an evil eye (laughs) and uh also maybe to a big blimp in season two and then to a to an island again but a different one and there's like a cyber reality there are like three distinct um uh, virtual reality arcs in this show. Uh, one right at the end of season uh, season one, and there's, like, basically the whole first half of season three, which season two ends on a, ma- a massive cliffhanger, and then the whole first half of the next season doesn't address that at all, and it's like, oh, we're all doing a virtual reality thing. We've been trapped here by a secret... Uh, secret... This is um oh, this is the guy who's voiced by Andrew Reynolds actually this is Noah Kaiba who is uh slight spoilers is um he was set up, he was the Kaiba brothers' father adoptive father's real son <laughs> he has green hair um and then he died but he was like preserve his like memories were like preserved in like a chamber thing in a computer and it's a whole thing again buck wild every so often i encounter a piece of media like this when i'm just (laughs) when i think about how strict so much of professional storytelling is oh yeah and like on my own journeys and how we're with it as well and how much like affectionate serious conversations that i've had with professionals in the industry or it's like sarah this requires a story which hangs together (laughs) you can't just do a bunch of images and expect people to put like you have to give them a story they can follow you have to operate what if you fucking didn't what if what if no bitch what Mm. if like three different fucking cyber realities and a fucking blimp like yup god damn what if the first five episodes are just like an extended unskippable tutorial sequence for the card game look i tell you what What if we do that just as you were saying that and just as you were talking about that the the abridged thing Mm. my nightmare is somebody making me watch pokemon abridged Oh, really? Because the reason 100% that I cannot play those games anymore is because the first four hours of gameplay is some asshole professor mm. um, <laughs> explaining to me what a fucking Pokeball is. Mm. I'm 34. Mm. They won't even let you buy Pokeballs in the game up I've, until a certain point and you're like, I know how to use it. Just let me know, do it. I know. Let me do I've, it. Been doing, <laughs> I have been doing this for more than half of my life. Just let me skip it. There should be there should be a button at the start where it's like when you're choosing your gender and you're choosing your name. It's like, are hey, you thirty four? Hey, are you a <laughs> full you ass adult who's yellow? done this like thirty times? Okay, you're good. Off you go, babes. You yeah. can go and start yeah, a fucking like, breeding sanctuary. We'll, we'll or drop some you shit. into you're... the middle of chapter three. <laughs> Boom! Off you go. But no, everything happens. But like, but then you know when it comes to something like Yu Gi Oh, which has a huge structure, I'm kind of like piecing it all together in my head like there are people who play Yu-Gi-Oh professionally right there's there's a whole yes. network of people who play this card game 
and yeah. I can only imagine that they feel about certain aspects of the franchise the same way that I do about uh, Pokemon and things where I'm like I can't handle it being explained to me whereas with Yu-Gi-Oh I need it explained to me because in my memory it was sort of just a more surreal Pokemon when in actual fact it certainly wasn't you know it's I don't want to say it's I don't want to say it's not a more surreal Pokemon. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, again, like the early seasons, they play very fast and loose with the actual rules of the game. Yo, they were just trying um, to sell pets of cards to kids back they then. They were trying to be like, oh, what if, what if the, what if the game was entirely based on whatever dumb bullshit you personally could come up with to justify <laughs> why you should win this particular Dungeons, game. Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons baby. and Dragons, we've been, baby. We've been at this, yeah, you know. What it's if you could sweet that. talk your way there's, through this game? Sure. There's an episode you know? in season one where to win a duel... Um, because it's all holograms, right? There's, like, part of the reason you can see all the monsters is they've got these hologram things. In season one, it's like, oh, there's these kind of physical... Arenas. Yeah, there's like arena things, and then later on they get dual discs where they kind of shoot out the hologram uh, projector thingies. It's just like, after a certain point, it's like, it's just magic, but um, we've explained it slightly better. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, um, there's, so there's like a spell card on the field, which is like, oh, there's a moon, and that gives certain uh, certain monsters more attack, and that helps the, the opponent, and then... Um, yeah, Yugi decides that he's going to have one of his monsters attack the moon <laughs> by <laughs> firing a guy from the back of a turtle at the moon and then destroy the spell card by doing that. And it's 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 just Calvin Ball. It's very fun. Mm. It's silly to watch. And I remember watching it as a child being like, wow, I can't wait to play this card game. And then I play the <laughs> card game and I'm pulling this stupid shit. And anyone I've played against, I played against as a child was like, those aren't the rules. And I was like, but this show. And they're like, haven't you read the book? There's the two kinds book? of tabletop players. <laughs> Nerds and the rest of us. Exactly. Right. I lived with two, two Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, rules obsessives um, oh, when no. I was in my masters. Um, I'm Alan. I two... was smoking on bridges. <laughs> this is when I, this, that was when I was 16. I quit smoking by then. Uh, this is when I was like 21. Um, you like they had quite a fractious relationship at the best of times, but never more so than when they were like on the floor in our sitting room with their Yu-Gi-Oh! cards in front of them killing each other over the interpretation of a rule and about whether something happened in phase one or phase two and if something happened in phase one could you do this in phase two and they would like it's like we're trying to watch Futurama lads fucking shut up <laughs> oh to be a fly on the wall though oh, I love yeah. that niche drama those places where yeah. people become the worst versions of themselves mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah when Rules they're absolutely sure they, they found a loophole yeah yeah mm. There's actually there's a really good series on YouTube. If if you're if you're curious about the the game and how it's kind of evolved over time in terms of like the meta and these big cards and and how like competitive play is done. Because again, like I was never any good at competitive play. I like the show because head empty. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, um, but the um. Uh, there's a really good series on YouTube called the Progression Series. Um, it's by this guy called Simo and uh, these two guys called Simo and Nim Nim. Uh, they're both, uh, they call them Yugi tubers, uh, where they will play Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> I think both of them used to be professional and then kind of dropped out or, or are back playing professionally now. But they have this series and basically they go through like every, every like card release, like 
uh, chronologically, and they open like a certain number of packs, and then they can build a deck from that, and they duel each other, best two out of three at the end of every episode, and they kind of go through it, and you get to see how the game has like evolved. That's really it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is some of that like rules lawyering stuff where it's like, oh, how does this work? And what is because there's there's different phases. There's the what is it? Draw phase, standby phase, main phase one, battle phase, main phase two, end phase, and there's certain cards that activate at certain times. And when you're playing, is it a narration-oriented game, or is it very much directly? I play this card. I play like. Is it a very when you're playing? Is it direct speech or is it narrated? It's um, it's direct speech. So it's 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 similar to Magic: The Gathering, where it's like, right. oh, you'll, you'll I play this card, uh, and you have like face up, face down. I'm not sure if that's a thing in Magic. And it's the assumption but... that your your competitor is fluent in the cards. Yes. Um, it de- now all of the cards have have card text on them, so it, right. it says like what they do. Um, again, it's kind of a meme that recent Yu-Gi-Oh cards, like the the font type is like. 4p or something <laughs> where like it's gotten much smaller like uh originally uh the the game originally had a lot more uh like vanilla cards which are cards that don't have any effects uh they just have attack value and defense value um and th- those ones are yellow um and there are some interesting strategies around using like low level vanilla cards um like there's uh i can't remember what it's called but there's a there's a card called um I can't remember what, like, the strategy itself is called, but there's a card called Law of the Normal, which is, like, oh, you can basically make your opponent be unable to summon any monsters that are not, like, level one weenies. Uh, And if you have five of them, because the maximum number of of monsters you can have in your, like, normal uh, monster zones is five. And so if you have, like, five absolute weenie vanilla cards that do nothing and are useless in most games, uh, there's this win condition where if you play Law of the Normal, you basically win. Uh, It's very silly. It's really funny to see... um, to see people do it well, <laughs> because it's like it's just a it's just a meme deck. It's very funny. Uh, again, I think um, uh, the the Millennium Microphone gang they did, I think they did like one kind of set of um, they did like one video or something where they all kind of played each other. And one of the one of the the guys on the podcast uh, did not know the show and did not know the card game. Uh, so he's the kind of newbie. So they were kind of teaching him how to how to do it. But um, one of the uh, uh, one of them played a, a, a normal love the normal deck, and it was it was very funny. <laughs> it's very cool. To I see. really live for those niche. So speaking as a mm. person who's on a very niche podcast, mm. I also live for those deeply niche podcasts. Oh I think yeah, they're a really great way to get into things. Like when absolutely, I, when I went into I started watching Neon Genesis Evangelion during the pandemic, and I mm. got very into this one particular Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast, which is just two straight dudes talking about it. Mm. And um, I listened to every fucking episode of that <laughs> podcast, every last one, top to tail. You know. Um, um, weirdly those two guys are now adapting Hellraiser for the TV. Oh, like wow. they're proper they're they're industry art guys. Dudes, industry yeah. guys. Damn. Um yeah, but like semi defending their 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 fancying of various 14-year-olds in Evangelion, you know, like Grim's like, "Okay, boys, and, you know, like whatever's uh, waiting for you in that puzzle box, you fucking deserve it, you know? Like, <laughs> hope you have a great time with the Cenobites, you freaks." Mm. Um, but I think that there's a lot of joy in that deeply niche unpacking of a deeply niche game or like 
the really detailed study of something from a particular time do you know absolutely like yeah. it's it's really all involving and it's really comforting you know it's almost kind of anthropological to it get is, really wanky yeah. about it yeah it is, but it fucking is <laughs> yeah, anthropological. Yeah. it's a huge yeah. subculture do you know and absolutely. like obviously this there are people whose bread and butter is this card game right mm. oh absolutely and it's like it's one of those things where like especially because it's such a nostalgic thing for people like I think most people realize, especially if you're not on, like, some kind of competitive scene or anything where you're just like, I, I enjoy this thing and I kind of keep up with, I keep up with the meta. There was a, a somewhat recently, there's a, a new version of, like, online play. There's a a, a, a game uh, called Master Duel, which is, um, so Yu-Gi-Oh! has had this problem where, like, when they have um, video games of, there, there was a, a thing called Duel Links for a while where, like, it was kind of really frustrating to use because like the Pokemon thing, you'd start out and you'd have like a very basic deck and it would have a lot of vanilla monsters and it would be like you were trying to play in like season one of the, the TV show, but you're like, but I've complained, I've, I'm i familiar with the current meta or I'm familiar with actual strategies from the real world and I don't want to be tied down to these, uh, you know, really, really old in the grand scheme of, like, the lifespan of Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't want to be tied to these, like, old cards that I, that no one uses anymore. And so there's, there's a new version of the game where you can, you can duel called Master Duels, where, um, it's, it's pretty good. It's cool. Uh, people can actually be kind of competitive, um, in the way that they are in the real world with, with this, um, but yeah, and that's also fun because you can you can see how uh, absolutely batshit the the card game has gotten as well, <laughs> because uh, yeah, no, there's there's so many there's a bunch of new dynamics. There's a uh, pendulum summoning, which um, is insane. There's a uh, link summoning, which is also insane. They have arrows on them, and it has different effects depending on if there's a monster in the space that the arrow points to. Uh, it's wild. It's truly wild. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? How, like, mm. something that only flickers in your peripheral vision, like on RT and translation, has this huge, thriving economy mm. behind it. You know, oh, yeah. Right, they've still sold ter- 35 billion cards have been sold. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, yeah. it's a massive... The Yu-Gi-Oh! Industrial Complex is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's insane. six spin-off series at this point? Yeah, so there's... Um, Which also have, like, over 100 episodes each. Yeah, I think they I might know. be on the seventh now? Yeah. Is that right? Because I've, I've watched in full... Because there are five seasons of the original run, and then there's, there's Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, which is Generation X. There is... What else is... There, there's uh, a five Ds, which is uh, card games on motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, oh Jesus, there's like Vrains, which I think is trains. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel or Zeal. Apparently the X is silent, uh, and he's got really stupid hair. Uh, yeah, there's Arc V, uh, which is I don't know what that one is. Yu-Gi-Oh! Sevens. Uh, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Reigns, which I think is Trains. I don't know. Well, There's so many of them. It's, yeah. it's insane. I remember when 5Ds was airing, and I was just, like, kind of aging out of... I, I watched some of GX in... in was that was 2006. Actually, that... GX came out... No, uh, GX, I think, started airing in 2004. Um, 
GX started coming out while <laughs> the original run was still going, and a lot of um, children's uh, kind of broadcasting switched over to GX and never finished the original mm-hmm. five-season run, which is why a lot of people have not seen... I had not seen all of uh, season four, and I'd not seen any of season five. And again, season five has a has a thing where like the whole first half of it is this bullshit tournament that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, and the second half is oh, you're actually getting back to the main plot and you're figuring out what because the the pharaoh has lost his memory. Uh, since he was kind of freed from the puzzle, he doesn't remember anything about ancient Egypt, and uh, you need to figure out the the pharaoh's name to stop a big evil, uh, and you go back in time to ancient Egypt and you figure out you do that, uh, and that's great, that's really fun. But the first half of season five is just stupid bullshit, and uh, yeah, it means nothing. There's a fun German guy in it though. Um, he's, he's like German Pegasus. He's just like a, a German fruit. And he's like, oh, Herr Kaiba. <laughs> he's got pink hair. So it's very, it's great. There's some, there's some high, there's so many like stupid campy jobbers in the show as well. It's very, very stupid. I love it dearly. <laughs> that seems like a perfect place to leave it, I think. Yeah. We've, we've talked for a very long time. <laughs> Felix, please plug everything you want to plug. Tell cool. us all your stuff. Thank you. So I am Felix O'Connor. That is my name. Uh, if you want to follow me, the best place for my uh, stupid tweets is Twitter. I guess that's where all the stupid tweets are. It's where uh, we all live. I am. <laughs> it's where we all live. You're uh, tethered to it. All mm-hmm. of us <laughs> chained to the rhythm. Uh, <laughs> I am at Felixer of Life twenty eight. So that's like Elixir of Life but with an F at the start. It's a stupid name, but I've committed to it too hard we're at this all point stuck, to we're change it. We're all stuck it. with our gag names. We're, we're stuck all, with we've it. We've all been there too long to change that's them. That's it. So that's me on Twitter. I am also, I'm Oxymoronic28 on Instagram. That's O-X-I-M-O-R-O-N-R-M-O-Moronic. Uh, <laughs> O-X-I, not O-X-Y, because I thought it'd be funny to spell it wrong when I was 16 and it stuck. I'm like, what? Um, I also, I have a YouTube channel that is also Felixer of Life. Uh, I have one YouTube video up so far where I prove to Ben Shapiro that I'm 60 for a joke. Uh, <laughs> and I do. I mathematically prove that I'm 60, uh, which is fun. So go check that out. Um, and also, what else was there? Oh, yeah. I also have a podcast. It's been on hiatus for over two years. Uh, <laughs> you could still... It, it. I keep telling myself I'm going to edit some of those episodes and, and bring it back. Um, it is called Not Trans, Trans Movies. Uh, it is, uh, me and a trans guest, every episode we talk about a film that one or both of us is convinced has either trans vibes or legitimately has some kind of theory about why it is a trans metaphor or analog or why one of the characters is legitimately, legitimately trans. Uh, we've also had some episodes which are like not gay gay movies or not neurodivergent neurodivergent movies, uh, which is a bit more of a mouthful, I will admit. (laughs) Uh, so check that out. That's on all of the podcast things and I think that's everything that I want to plug and you do stand up obviously and I do stand up yes yeah. <laughs> real world things yes yeah. I am also I am also a stand up comedian um, actually if you are yeah this is an Irish podcast if people will be listening to this in Ireland um, mm-hmm. if you are um, in Dublin on the 22nd to the 24th of September I'm doing a show in the Dublin Fringe called Platforms uh, which is like a 
abs it's an absolutely batshit wild ride of a collaborative collaboratively written uh satirical show with drag and comedy talking uh just basically tearing the piss out of the irish far right um and the irish state media as well <laughs> uh so come check that out if um if you have a chance that'll be uh in smock alley from the 22nd to the 24th also i i uh run a queer comedy night called token straight which is on every month in Chine in dublin and i am part of hysteria comedy we do uh comedy shows three nights a week uh in also in Chine in dublin so that's a lot of stuff i'm sorry that was a little rambly i'm around yeah. i'm doing things yeah, but yeah, come, yeah yeah come see come see my shows come see my gigs it's gonna be fun yeah. cool sarah where can we find you i'm still on my ass all the time Alan. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> I'm on Twitter.com at Grifsky. I'm on Instagram at Sarah Grifsky and also on the Dreaded Clock app at Sarah <laughs> Grifsky. Don't worry, I don't talk or dance. It's just text. Um, Sparing Vampires and Other Words for Smoke are available in all good bookshops. Those are the two books that I've written. I will have news on forthcoming work soon. Alan, what about you? Um, so my stupid made up name that I'm stuck with on Twitter is Alan underscore McGuire. Um, <laughs> Sensible um, choices. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter. Juvenalia pod on Instagram. Uh, we have a Patreon where we have oh, a so bonus, whole bonus series where we talk it's about what so we started good. and finished in the recent past. A lot of video game talk there. Uh, a lot of TV show. A lot of succession talk if you're into that. <laughs> Way uh, too much succession talk. It's very fun. Uh, thank you, Dean McDonald, for our artwork. Thanks, Thank Dave. you to Todd Tales for having us. Love thank you, Cassie. and Fergo. Um, and thank you again to Felix. Thanks, Felix. And we'll see you again in two weeks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>